Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Monday, April the 2nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball with the preview of the defensive line group, where do they rank across the NFL landscape, and we revisit my shortlist at pick number 11 in this month's draft, as well as my picks by round, by positions of need in this draft-heavy episode. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Those ratings and reviews help the podcast grow, get out to more Dolphins, get us higher up the iTunes charts, and it just benefits everybody involved. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out the number one rated blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. We have tons of written content up there for you guys right now, and we'll get into that more on the episode here. But before that as well, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On Magic podcast for all your local NBA coverage of your favorite teams. And just before we get into first down here on Locked On Dolphins podcast, just a programming note for you guys. I don't know if it sounds weird to you. I'm in a different part of the house. It's going to be a bit of a chaotic week on the podcast here as I record from different locations. The missus and I are heading out to our favorite place on earth for vacation, the Oregon Coast. And we're at the house here on Saturday night as I record this for Monday morning. So if I'm behind the news, it's because I went on vacation. So cut me some slack there. But she painted our stairs tonight to go up to my laboratory where I do all the podcasts, all the writing. I have the, the big board up there that I write on. Everything that I do with football and watching film, everything related to the podcast and the show, all that stuff, it's done upstairs in my lab, quote unquote lab. And I don't have access to it. I got kicked out. I got delegated down to the downstairs part of the house. I'm in the kitchen at the kitchen table with everything that I've done here. It's crazy looking. It's it's chaotic, but we're going to press on and get it done, record the podcast here. I'll be recording the podcast from the hotel room too throughout the course of the week. And before you guys think I'm going to get a divorce before I even get married, she is on board. We're good to go. A quick recording each night. So we'll get you guys new episodes throughout the course of the week on Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And let's go ahead and get into this one here for April the 2nd. That's another Miami Dolphins. And it is first down here on Locked On Dolphins podcast. And if you guys know, or I should say, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know by now that last week we did the offensive side of the ball. And today we're going towards the defensive side of the football. And up on Locked On Dolphins right now is part two of Kevin Dern's defensive primer pieces. He wrote about the defensive tackles last week. Now he's going into linebackers because... Areas of need, I mean, defensive ends, not really going to be much of a need. I know that Kevin loves Marcus Davenport and some other guys in the draft of that position, but he's going over the needs right now. So he's examining the Dolphins roster, identifying those needs, and giving you options from who to choose from in the draft with very, very in-depth pieces, GIFs, scouting reports, all that stuff. Highly recommended right now at LockedOnDolphins.com, the uh, linebacker primer from Kevin Dern. So we're going to have Kevin on the podcast when part three is up. 
talking about the defensive backfield for the Dolphins when it's done and everything is in, in its totality finished up on the site. We're going to have him come on and talk about it on the podcast. But today is defensive line with yours truly, Ryan Solo here on the podcast. And as you guys know, I had the offensive groups all ranking in the top 10 to 15 range of the entire NFL. Probably got a little bit of pushback from that. Didn't see it on Twitter, but I'm sure there was some grumbling folks out there. Obviously, the tight end class I did not have, or tight end group, I should say, I did not have that high. They ranked 32nd in the NFL for me right now. So we're going to do the same thing here, go over the positions, go over the names, talk about each guy a little bit, and give you a league-wide ranking on the defensive line. So starting with the defensive ends, let's go ahead and just go with the position that we all are familiar with at this point. Cameron Wake entering his 10th year in the NFL. It's been a long, crazy ride for him. Almost has 100 sacks. Probably going to get to 100 sacks by the time it's all said and done for the Miami Dolphins, but continues to be one of the most productive pass rushers in the league, just consistently getting pressure on the quarterback, consistently getting sacks, consistently killing the Jets for us. I, I mean, at this point, they're talking about doing an extension on Cam Wake's contract, and they absolutely should. He has just been an absolute gem for the Dolphins on a relatively cheap contract compared to other defensive linemen across the league, or other pass rushers, I should say. So in good hands there. Behind him, William Hayes was fantastic against the run last year prior to getting hurt. The run defense kind of fell apart when he went out. So coming him coming back after the Robert Quinn trade, I didn't expect that to happen. So that was a big win for the Dolphins this offseason, in my opinion, was getting William Hayes back. And then behind him, Cameron Malveaux. We'll see what happens with him and his reps get cut into because the other defensive end position has two guys that are, I, I mean, capable, I guess. I think Charles Harris, the other defensive end that will get the start, in my opinion, on that side. I think the world of him, I think he's going to really blossom this year into a big-time sack artist and a big-time pressure creator and a guy that can move across the defensive line and get you pressures, not only from the outside on, on regular downs, but on the inside from the nickel rush packages there too. So he did some of that last year early in the year. That could be one of your guys that kicks inside on third down. And then Andre Branch, I mean, the Dolphins are paying him, so it is what it is, but I just don't have any expectations for what he can do. So he He's the one that kind of brings this group down a little bit in terms of the defensive ends. I would love to be able to just kind of cut his salary off the books, which the Dolphins will likely do at the end of the 2018 season, and then address the position via the draft. I mean, this is a pretty good defensive end draft. At the top, as you can hear my dishwasher going off in the background, there's a couple of guys that would be good areas of focus at pick number 11, maybe at pick number 42, but with the Dolphins aggressive in free agency, obviously going out and get Robert Quinn, who is the last piece of the puzzle here, getting him just kind of removes the position of need. So the Dolphins are really four or five deep here at the position. As Quinn comes in, I think that he's probably going to play above branch, at least for the most part. You know, Him and Harris probably figure to split most of the snaps at that position there. So if Andre Branch even gets onto the field, if they can find a way to move him on draft day, that would be an absolute boon for the Dolphins. So a very good, a very deep defensive end group with lots of pass rushing prowess, lots of flexibility as my fridge now goes off on the other side of the background. So all the noises in the world not going to stop this podcast as we press on here Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Talking about the defensive line, on the inside of the, of the defensive line, we have a lack of depth, for, for lack of a better term there. Jordan Phillips, Devon Gotcha, Vincent Taylor. Those are the only three guys on the roster right now that have the defensive tackle moniker. And that's why you see that position as kind of an area of need. I know people are saying those three players are pretty good players. And while I agree with that for the most part, you can't just roll into the season with those guys and expect to have 16 games out of all three of them. That's a tough position. That's a lot of hitting and a lot of work that goes into getting your body ready to play every Sunday on the interior defensive line. And you have some 1,600 snaps to go around in there. That's a big step up for guys like Vincent Taylor, even Devon Godshot, even Jordan Phillips, the guy that really plays his best when he's at 20, 25 reps a game. So you're going to have to find someone there to fill in and really kind of bolster the depth here and also give you just quality starts as hopefully as a rookie. So I think defensive tackle still is a pretty big need for the Dolphins. All things told, this was a tough ranking for me because obviously the, the, the positions aren't necessarily set across the league like some of the other ones we talked about already. And you have a lot of ambiguity in terms of 
guys that are you know moving around across the league or guys that are in 3-4 defenses. It's just kind of a tough one to judge. But after going over the list, I have this defensive line ranked as 12th best in the NFL. Would be a top 10 group if, still, if they still had a Dominican Sue, obviously. But I just think the amount of pass rush they're going to get on the outside, the amount of guys that can kind of move around the defensive line, kick inside or, or flip outside, stunt, do all that good stuff that the Dolphins like to do with the aggressive one-gap scheme. I think they have all the pieces in place for that. Just going to have to get a little bit more depth on the interior. And... You know, part of this ranking comes from the fact that I think that Charles Harris is going to have a really big second year. I even saw a tweet uh, earlier this week talking about how someone asked me last year who they thought the biggest second-year player was going to be for the Dolphins, and I vehemently stated Kenyon Drake. And this year I'm going that same direction with Charles Harris. So hopefully I strike twice in terms of getting that right. But that's the defensive line group for the week, the 12th best defensive line in the NFL. You guys can hit me up on Twitter, at NFL. Let me know how silly or correct you think that is. Also follow the show at LockedOnFans or the Locked On Dolphins podcast, LockedOnDolphins.com. And as I keep promoting LockedOnDolphins.com, if you guys aren't aware already, I'm sure you are. I have tweeted out like crazy that the Ryan Tannehill 2013 piece is up. The book on Tannehill Part 2, Set, Go, Go. As you guys remember, Mike Sherman's famous pre-snap cadence stuff for Tannehill, making that ridiculous-sounding call rather than the traditional hut-hut or, or you know the green 19 that Aaron Rodgers runs. Anyway, that is up right now. Tons of gifs. The entire scouting report. The graphics done by at Young Mayo on Twitter. He does fantastic work for me. I'll tweet that image out after the piece gets a little bit of run on the site first, because I got to get those clicks, guys. You know, we're trying to pay some bills here, get things taken care of. So check that out, LockedOnDolphins.com, Ryan Tannehill, 2013 piece. Let's go ahead and shift gears back towards the draft and talk about positions of need that I have right now. And you could argue that quarterback belongs in there. You could argue that maybe offensive guard belongs in there if you're talking about building for the future. And that certainly could be the case. But I'm talking about positions of need in the first part of the draft and I'm not a big needs-based drafter if you guys follow me on Twitter you know that by now if you read my stuff you know that I like taking the best player and that's why my number one player has been the same this entire process despite the fact that you might think that the Dolphins have two starting safeties you know spoiler there but I just you know I I prefer going by best player available and that's not always necessarily the case because right now the Dolphins have some needs they have to get filled out for the roster in 2018 I talked about the lack of depth at defensive tackle. Right now, the tight end group is really going to look bleak if nothing happens there. The running back group, I mean, Frank Gore is, you know, he is what he is. He's a good short yardage red zone specialist, guy that can help you transition into the offense. But the Dolphins would need to get a running back relatively high as well there too. And then also the linebacker position, you know, the Dolphins may think more of Kiko Alonso than we all do. But relying on him for any type of serious snap counts this year just wouldn't be good practice and would put the defense in a bad spot. I think the Dolphins probably will do that, but we'll see. It still remains a position of need to me. Let's go ahead and go over the list here and talk about the first four rounds, the positions of need the Dolphins have, and what they could possibly do. First round, obviously, we talk about the safeties all the time. Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick. It's sounding more and more likely that Mika Fitzpatrick might be the one that slides, but you just never know, really know what to expect. I mean, right now, it's kind of like... I, what, one thing I heard about the process is that we always build these guys up, tear them down, and then start the rebuilding process in terms of their reputation and the types of players they're going to be. And it seems like Minka Fitzpatrick has kind of been that teardown phase right now. Derwin James, for my money, should be a top five, top three pick in any draft. But because of the quarterbacks, he will not be. I just hope the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass to him at seven and he starts to fall a little bit and finds his way to Miami. So Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick at safety in the first round. Defensive tackles, we've talked about it a lot. Vita Vey, Deron Payne. Linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds. Roquan Smith and Rashawn Evans, probably not as likely on Evans, even though I think he's the best of the bunch. And then tight end and running back. I don't have a guy in this class that 
make sense at that spot unless Saquon Barkley falls. So no tight ends, no running backs in the first round. Round two, the safeties, another good group here in my opinion. Jesse Bates from Wake Forest, he could fly all over the field, very instinctive, gets out of his back pedal very nicely, can cover the slot, do a lot of things for Wake Forest over there in the ACC. Justin Reed, the Dolphins have visited with him. The Stanford safety, very, very bright kid and another good cover guy and a, a willing tackler as well. And then Ronnie Harrison, the ultimate beefed up guy from the scouting combine his triceps are going to blow out of his arms it looked like just a really good looking specimen and a really good player Alabama too that's kind of flown under the radar because of Mika Fitzpatrick and a lot of scouts I've actually heard not a lot but I've heard that there are some scouts that think that he's actually a better player and could go higher than Mika Fitzpatrick which is pretty crazy to think about so Bates Reed and Harrison defensive tackles talked about him a lot at North Carolina State BJ Hill that defensive line was dominant and they had guys at every spot and they had just guys in droves off the bench starters whatever you want they could get it done and BJ Hill is really explosive and kind of a squatty body. He's really kind of packaged together there neatly, so to speak. And then Taven Bryan from Florida, probably not going to fall that far, but he falls in that range between the Dolphins' first and second round pick. He is a really good looking player, high motor, high effort, and uh, gets a lot of cleanup sacks as well from Florida. So I like those two guys a lot. Linebackers, Leighton Vander Esch. I'm not as high on him as others are, but he seems to be in that kind of range. Nintendo Nuosu, the USC linebacker, he's a little bit more slight, but he could be an off the ball linebacker, a coverage guy, a guy that can rush the passion for the Dolphins. He is a really good looking player out of USC. Tight ends, this is a really good spot for the tight ends. We talked about it a lot on the podcast here. Hayden Hurst, Dallas Godert, Mark Andrews, and Mike Kosicki. Each of them has their warts. Hayden Hurst played professional baseball. He's 25 years old, and he just doesn't have the look of an athlete that's really stout and, and well-built and muscular enough to where you'd say, oh yeah, he's been in a weightlifting program with a professional team for a number of years. You can see that from him. You don't really see that with him, so it's kind of strange. It kind of worries me. Does he have much room to grow, or is he the player right now that he's always going to be at his best? Dallas Goder had a great pro day today on Saturdays. I record this. He looks like a good looking tight end prospect. Mark Andrews, it just gets open. He's he's a really nice looking player. I think he could go in this spot as well. And then Mike Kosicki is the big rebounder, big volleyball, basketball player, guy that can go high point the football but cannot block to save his life. Running backs here are Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb, the two Georgia guys. I don't know if the Dolphins have the luxury of spending this pick on them, but then again, you can see the kind of impact those kind of guys can have on a team, especially as a rookie in their first year. Just look at Alvin Kamara last year, my favorite running back in that entire class. So you know, a really, well, I should say Dalvin Cook was higher than him. Dalvin Cook and then Alvin Kamara for me in that class last year. So another good looking running back class again this year. So we get down to round three safeties this time, West Virginia's Kaiser White and Virginia Tech's Terrell Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds' brother, a couple of guys that can look at there. The defensive tackle, Harrison Phillips from Stanford, and then linebackers. This is a great spot for linebackers, in my opinion. Both Shaquem Griffin and Fred, Fred Warner fit in here. You guys know how I feel about Shaquem Griffin. You can read my piece on LockedOnDolphins.com saying, doubt Shaquem Griffin, I dare you, because you're going to make a mistake if you do that. He's going to be a very good-looking football player for a number of years. Tight ends, Ian Thomas from Indiana could go higher than this. I've heard second-round rumblings on him, but... He looks a little bit more raw. He's very thickly built. Could possibly be both a detached guy and an inline blocker for you at the next level. Running backs here, Royce Freeman out of Oregon and Kalen Balaj from Arizona State. A couple of Pac-12 guys. We've talked a lot about both those guys in the podcast. We'll go ahead and just move on into the fourth round. Safety, Jordan Whitehead. You know, I watched some film on him because of the connection with Ronaldo Hill, the Dolphins' new assistant defensive backs coach. He coached him at Pittsburgh. Jordan Whitehead was a five-star recruit coming out of high school and just didn't live up to the billing in college. He doesn't seem like he really wants to hit anybody too much or he's kind of slight and can't really do it. Missed some games with some injuries. Didn't get the ball production like to see. So I don't love the class at this point of the draft, but you can see where his familiarity with the Dolphins' coaching staff could come into play. Defensive tackles, Fort... 
Fort Hayes is Nathan Shepard. He left the Senior Bowl early, but he was dominating that game early on, and he really kicked the crap out of that lower-level competition in his college games this last year. Justin Jones, North Carolina State, like I said, him and B.J. Hill, just completely dominant. Probably more of a nickel rusher on the inside as a rookie, but you can see where he'd have a fit right away for the Dolphins. And then Tim Settle, the massive man out of Boston College. He is a run-defending specialist. Could be a guy you plug in there for depth and a guy that just kind of plays the run on defense. So there's some prospects in that spot as well. At linebacker, South Carolina State's Darius Leonard. He could go higher than this. The Dolphins have met with him privately, worked him out privately. He's a really good-looking prospect. I talked about his performance at the Senior Bowl in coverage and kind of the way he changed directions. I, I'm very impressed by what I've seen with him. The tight end, I think it really thins out at this spot here. Is this where you go for Chris Herndon? Probably too early for him, so don't really have a favorite tight end in the spot, unless you consider Jalen Samuels a tight end who he's on my running back list here, but he's a little bit of both running back, tight end, H-back type of guy. And then like a John Kelly as well here. So definitely some plenty of options for the Dolphins. That's the beauty of the draft is all these combinations can be mixed up into a a lottery bag and you can pick from it. You just don't know what's going to happen. But we're going to talk about my short list. I picked number 11 next on Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. All right, we've got one segment left here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Just kind of revisiting that last segment, talking about some of the players and positions of need. You know, I obviously, I realize that quarterback could be up there too. I just have a, that's why I really want the Dolphins to trade back so bad because there's such a need for one more pick if you're looking at addressing needs in that portion of the draft early on, trying to get guys that can contribute right away, guys that can get on the field. I, I mean, the quarterback is a backup, so that's why I'm hesitant to really spend a high pick on it, even though I do love Luke Falk and Kyle Lalletta in probably that third, fourth round range. So that's a possibility there. But let's go ahead and get into my short list and get out of here for the episode today. That first pick, I've talked about it a lot. Not a lot of change here for you guys. I think that there's a little bit more possibility that some of these guys could actually be there because you go over the look, the first round or the top 10 of the first round, you're going to have four quarterbacks go. Rosen, Darnold, Allen, and Mayfield all are going to go top 10. I still believe it's going to go quarterback one, two, three, four. I really believe that. Obviously, the Jets came up to three. They're going to go quarterback. I think the Giants are just playing poker right now. I think they're going quarterback. They would be crazy to think that Eli Manning could even give them one more good year, let alone multiple good years, because he hasn't played a good year in three or four seasons now. So I think that, obviously, Browns go Darnold number one. I would say Giants go Rosen number two. Jets go Mayfield three. And then I'm going to have Buffalo coming up to four to take Josh Allen. And then from there, you basically have the Broncos looking at a defensive back of some sort, maybe Minka Fitzpatrick there, maybe Derwin James there. I maybe often be Quentin Nelson. I don't know. You got Saquon Barkley and Bradley Chubb still on the board there for the Bronco or for the Colts at number six. So it just seems like the Dolphins have a really good crack at one of these high level guys falling down to them at 11. And here's my list. I'll start with number five. You guys aren't going to like it because I've been a little bit lower on this guy than most people, but I think he struggles to get off blocks. I think he can be absorbed in the run game very easily. He is athletic as hell, a alpha dog leader type, and I like his game, but I can see the shortcomings. I can see how you can actually have him coming off the field and being more of a sub-package player as a rookie. So that's why I'd be hesitant to spend a high pick on him at number 11. But Roquan Smith out of Georgia, you guys know who he is. Number four, I just, the position of needs a little bit lower to me, but also the fit in terms of best player available. It works out this way too. Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech. I think that his 19-year-old season could be a little bit of a rocky start at first, but the length, the speed, off ball, and you know, on the line of scrimmage type of guy, he can do everything, at least in terms of 
projecting his ability at the next level. Looks like he can certainly do all of it there. Number three, this has changed a little bit. Vita Vey slides down the list because I think I have a couple of more guys that might have a chance of being there in the top two. So Vita Vey slides number three, just a physically dominant player. His pass rush skill set is so unbelievably good that I just would love to have him on this team. He'd be a quick replacement for Andamakan Sue and just wash your hands of it, move on. Much cheaper, cheaper option there than Sue ever was. And then the top two guys, number two, Minka Fitzpatrick, he might be there. You know, we'll see. I, I don't know if it's going to happen. He and number one, Derwin James, we'll see if either of them are there. But if they are, I think the Dolphins, we talked about on the podcast last week how Adam Gaze referred to the TJ McDonald signing as maybe didn't really work out the way he wanted it to. A lack of chemistry, a lack of synchronicity there with Rashad Jones in the back end, just couldn't really get it going there. So I really believe that safety remains a high option for the Dolphins at that pick and through the course of the draft. But we'll see you come draft day. We are less than a month away. I cannot wait. It seems like it takes forever and longer and longer each year. But that's going to do it for tonight's podcast, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. And check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Winkle NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Facebook and Twitter. And check out the number one rated blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Monday. We're back on Tuesday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Can you tell a green field?